Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 72, Honor. Yes, Honor. Now, according to Webster's Dictionary, and I'm not sure which Webster, whether it be Noah, Miriam, or one of the many other offspring of the Webster family, the second definition for honor is, quoting now, adherence to what is right or to a conventional standard of conduct, end quote. So I would argue today that the reason we have, in my view, a massive lack of honor among all of our institutions and the people who perform the tasks for those institutions, the reason we have a massive lack of honor is because we have, we no longer have a conventional standard. Now, typically I'm a, an iconoclastic isolationist. I believe that individuals should have the right of the power and the means to direct their own paths, to find their own way through this maze we call life. I'm usually nervous about consensus because I often find that just as in pure democracies, the sense of consensus is generally misguided and lazy. It's the easiest way for that 50% plus one to navigate their way through life. And so I'm, I'm always really nervous when people talk about a consensus of any sort, whether it be in the political realm or the health community or whatever. But yet I understand the need for a, quote, conventional standard. We must have some level of agreement about what we consider to be honorable, how we define honor. And so with that little aside, as we get started here this morning on our discussion of honor, I want to bring to you, as I usually do, some columns that I think you may find useful as you navigate uh, the coming week. First, what I'd recommend is a lady I often recommend, Selena Zito, and her Sunday column was entitled The Middle of Somewhere, and it was a look at Indiana, Pennsylvania. And one of the things she explores in that column, and I do think she's a very insightful writer, uh, one of the things she explores is the importance of traditions among families and communities. And what we find is, as, as we've drifted apart in our families, as we move cross-country and further away from home, and then the pandemic limited our ability to connect with one another over the past two years, and as our communities have been shattered by economic uh, distress and things of that nature, that our traditions are fading away. Our traditions are no longer considered important parts of our lives. And maybe that's something we should reconsider 
Maybe that's something if you have a moment in the next week or two as you explore going into 2022, you sit down and think about some of those things you enjoyed when you were younger that really created a knitting complex among your family. Think of any family or any community as a tapestry. And then that picture, that picture of the whole was included many different threads woven together to create this. And you were one of the threads. And some of the things annoyed the heck out of you, I think particularly of green bean casserole. But nevertheless, some of them were things that annoyed the heck out of you, but never the less later in life, you ponder and miss them and wish you had them. I had an aunt who used to always bring uh, oyster casserole to family gatherings, and I haven't had that probably in 30 years, and I miss it. I ate it once a year at the family gathering. Another article I want to recommend is the Pew Research from Saturday where one of the things that they surveyed and discovered was that three of ten adults in the United States is now formally religiously unaffiliated. Now, I don't know exactly what that means in looking at the hearts and minds of those 30% of the adults of the United States population. Does that mean they have no faith at all? Does that mean that they find all the various religious institutions to be unsatisfying and unfulfilling? Or does it mean they're just in a fog and a cloud and have no clue what life means to them and how it goes? I would argue that we all need some religious anchor. As we go back to honor, where we get a conventional standard of honor, I would hope that faith and religion provides an element of that, or at least the beginning of that discussion, and mold into that our traditions as families and communities, and maybe within those traditions and those um, gatherings of people, whether they be blood-related or locality-related, there'd be an element and a sense of honor and a sense of affiliation. So I find that 3 in 10 being unaffiliated kind of alarming in a sense. That means that they don't have a grasp or a hook or a connection with something bigger than themselves. Another article from Breitbart News. Now we're getting more into the hardcore economic aspect of it. Uh, they discuss that the Fed increasing interest by three-quarters of a percent over the next year. In other words, they're going back on their tapering, pulling back on their tapering, which is the buying of bonds, was basically a circular reasoning and circular economics where you create the debt, you buy it back, and have a new debt. Uh, that's my simplistic discussion and description of it. But anyway, the Fed... It plans to increase interest rates by three-quarters of a percent while tapering their bond purchases down to create that. 
Uh, the Breitbart News, uh, business news, says that's unrealistic. We're either going to have higher inflation than they anticipate, or they're going to have to raise interest rates even higher. And as you probably know, or suspect it, at any rate, that as you increase interest rates at some level, you put the brakes or slow down on the economy. Certain businesses expand based on low interest right now. They feel they can can make more capital investments through debt, and uh, that may slow down a little bit and come back. Uh, you may find it more difficult to get zero interest for 60 months when you buy a new car if interest rates keep ratcheting upward. And then the final article I want to discuss with you today as we're talking about honor. Bill Bonner's Rogue Economics has been a, a regular column that I read and, and I share, share it with you often uh, on this program. The last one he had was Saturday, and it was called his goodbye, his sign-off. He's no longer going to be uh, in the rogue economics environment. And I do want to give this quote to you from him, from Bill. Uh, Bill's a little older than I am. I'm not going to tell you how old that is. Otherwise, you'll think I'm dead. Anyway, uh, this is a long quote, so I'm going to. Uh, start it and give it to you, but I think it's really perceptive. Um, I've always found Bill to be an insightful person. So quoting now, after all, you have to be over 70 to have lived through as an adult the inflation of the 70s. You have to be at least in your 60s to recall how, how Paul Volcker stopped it. Continuing the quote, as you get older, you may have become more vulnerable to the coronavirus, but you become more resistant to claptrap. You remember the wind buttons, the lime-colored leisure suits, and the Vietnam War. Continuing quoting, you've heard too many something-for-nothing claims, seen too many new gadgets that didn't work, and voted for too many politicians who didn't do what they said they would do. He says, continuing, we bring this up because we think we are approaching a period of peak delusion. A good dose of geezer cynicism may be the only way to survive it. And Bill goes on, the new, quote, in quotes, dollar, without gold backing, was introduced more than 50 years ago. When it came out, the old-timers preached doom. And he goes on to say, now we are going to see that they were right. No pure paper money has ever survived a full credit cycle. Our guess is that this dollar will be gone too when the interest rates reach their next top. End quote from Bill Bonner. Sort of a dismal projection, but on the other hand, as with any turnaround, as with any conflict, as with any difficulty, there lies within there the glimmer 
of opportunity for you as an individual. And I guess Bill's quote about the fiat money and how it's failing us also sort of emphasizes the advance of crypto and how many people are looking to it as a means of maintaining and holding on to wealth without massive bank and government interference. But many banks are trying to create their own cryptocurrencies now, and certainly I expect the government to get massively involved, although it'll be late and inadequate, which is standard government fare. And it probably won't be very honorable as they seek to do whatever they can to mess up the private crypto market. I expect that going forward. So this discussion of honor leads back to our faith in our institutions. Certainly the Fed, I think, has been a misdirection for our government, our people, our society, our economy, our well-being. Uh, I consider 1913 the year from hell. That's when we passed the income tax at 3% max. That's when the Fed was created, and that's when the 17th Amendment was passed, which took our senators away from being appointed by individual states to represent them in Washington and became popularly elected at that point, which just made them uh, slaves to the whims of the moment so they could win the approval of a majority of the people as they ran for office. Honor, I think, has always been an elusive thing for us from the time of Adam and Eve to today. And to be honorable means you've got to really reach down, find the bottom of your gut and your heart, and do what is right. And if you can't find a conventional standard, then you find a standard that elevates who you are and the people around you. You reach to a higher standard and seek to be honorable. My hope for you and all of us is that someday, somehow, this society, this nation, this globe, the people rediscover honor as the only way to go. That's Living Liberty for today. Have a wonderful Christmas and a blessed new year. We'll be back with you next week. Remember, live free, stay free. And be free. I'm Charlie Earle.